Hey, everybody, and welcome to this week's This Week on Point North. I'm Alistair Stevens, and over the course of the next, well, maybe 10, 15, 20 minutes, I'm not sure exactly how long we're going to run here today for reasons which I'll get into in just a moment. Right now, we're going to talk about everything that you can expect from Point North Media in the course of the next week. A quick update. Last week, I said that there would be a podcast feed available for the This Week on Point North audio tracks. Uh, it's still coming. I'm just waiting for iTunes to finally verify the uh, the uh, podcast feed, and then it'll be available over on the website, hopefully later today. If not today, then tomorrow. Tomorrow, I guess I can't imagine it running any longer than that or taking any longer than that to finalize the setup. So uh, stay tuned for more information on the convenient and uh, accessible podcast feed for the This Week on Point North recordings. Let's get into a quick overview of what we're going to do this week. And then I'm going to tell you why perhaps I'm going to be a little harried and hurried this morning. Tomorrow at 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central, we are going to launch ourselves back again into the world of Harry Potter. In Dear Mr. Potter 48, Truth and Lies, when we talk about Rita Skeeter's scoop and we talk about the egg and the eye and Harry Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. That's going to be a really fun discussion. Things are about to get even more tangled and complex. And we get a great scene between Mad-Eye Moody and Severus Snape, of course. One of the highlights of the book, I know, for many, many readers. We're going to get to all of that tomorrow afternoon. Then on a Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central, there and back again, 57, where Will wants not, in which we conclude our discussion of Chapter 2, The Paths of the Dead of the Return of the King, and then launch into Chapter 3, a fairly short chapter, The Muster of Rohan, in which the Rohirrim assemble and war finally descends upon Middle-earth. It's, it's made explicit at this point that we're finally going to war with Sauron and that's I mean, that's just a knockout. There's so much good Eowyn to talk about. There's so much good Aragorn to talk about. Mary gets a ton to do. There's a ton to discuss in these chapters. I'm very excited for that. Then on Friday, also 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central, Friday afternoon, we are going to continue our uh, patron-exclusive book club where we talk about good omens. We're going to try and make some more pro uh, progress with that. Last night, I gave the uh, third session in our Good Omen series and made much less progress than I would have liked. But still, nonetheless, we will persevere and try and get through Good Omens in something uh, something approaching an efficient and rapid fashion. The reason that I am covering all of this material so swiftly is that at any moment, this studio could be invaded by noise from without. Because right now, as I speak, some, what, I don't know, two blocks from here, five minutes from here, the teachers of Oklahoma are holding a giant rally to protest the fact that they haven't received a pay raise in a decade, you guys. So all of the schools in Oklahoma City are out today, and all of the teachers are at uh, attending this huge and fantastic rally over at the state capitol building. So there are news helicopters flying overhead. It has been a raucous morning right here, let me tell you. Guys, we need to pay our teachers. We need to understand that education is the path to a better world. It is the only reliable path to a better world. We need to pay our teachers more, much more. Good Lord, I cannot believe that we are still having this conversation in 2018. Oklahoma is one of, if not the most poorly funded educational institutions in the entire country. And that needs to change. It all needs to change. We should be paying teachers vastly more than we are. That infrastructure is absolutely necessary if we believe in the improvability of the world and the improvability of our shared mutual circumstance. So good luck to all of the teachers who are braving awful temperatures. It is like 35 degrees out there right now. It is cold. It is misty. It is ugly. It is awful. It is a gray, gray day here in Oklahoma City. And those teachers are nothing less than heroes, each and every one of them. So thank you all for your service and the teaching of our children and in the, uh, in the crafting of a better world for tomorrow. And I hope that that the, uh, the fine folks, I'm sure, at the uh, state capitol there give you what you want, give you what you demand, give you what you have earned many times over. So that is why I may have to interrupt this proceeding, because when the helicopters fly over this house, they fly very low over this house, and it gets real noisy up in here. That, though, is not the only thing that is occupying my attention this morning. I have also been thinking a lot about 
weird relics. Uh, as you know, I've spent the last couple of weeks kind of updating. First, there was the huge update to the Point North website, and then there was a slew of kind of minor updates that, that come along after that, where I think, oh, yeah, no, I, I should update that album art, or I should update that particular, you know, avatar on the Tumblr account that I never use for Point North, and all of those tiny little things. And that also comes with a huge amount of logistical effort, I suppose, just tidying up my computer and my workspace and making sure that I have all the files that I need for the podcasts and making sure that everything is clean and accessible. And in the process of putting all of that together, I went spelunking through some old files that I haven't looked at in in many years, actually. And I found a really weird snatch of, of prose that I had written. This is dated in 2016. I'm looking at it now. It, it is dated in 2016, early in 2016. And I have no memory of writing this whatsoever. I have no recollection of sitting down and writing, what is it, 750 words. I might just post this over on the Patreon page. I don't know. It's not great. I mean, it's just a little snippet from the beginning of a book, I suppose. But I have no recollection of it whatsoever. So I'm hoping that by reading it and thinking about it, I might be able to... Uh, to find whatever creative spark it was or find the, the reflected echo of whatever creative spark it was that led me to write this in the first place. But uh, I was thinking a lot about those digital remnants of our creative processes, right? I think that prior to the advent of the personal computer, we would have stacks of paper, we would have notebooks, we would have, you know, typewritten sheets that would be in some state of physical disarray. But the transition from physical disarray to digital disarray brings with it a greater mystery, I suppose, because the physical artifact itself carries with it a weight and a significance and a, a memory resonance that the digital artifact does not. As I say, I have no recollection of writing this. I probably wrote it in a half hour someday back in 2016 and don't remember what motivated me to do it, don't remember what, what urged me to sit down and write that day at all. So all that remains is the work. All that remains is the text of the thing. It has been disassociated. If I'd written it in a notebook, then I would remember presumably more about that experience. I would remember the physical interaction and the, the physicalized context of that creative act. I would remember sitting down with the notebook in a coffee shop or in a bookstore or, you know, propped up in bed writing on this thing. And I just don't, I just don't have that. So that's weird. And I'm just, I'm thinking about the, uh, the halo of digital detritus, I suppose, that accompanies us through our lives. You know, when you find that old email account that you haven't checked in five years, you know, you've got that old AOL account or that old Hotmail account that you haven't checked in forever and you think, I should check that out. And you sign in and it's just a bunch of, you know, group me notifications or, or Twitter notifications or something like that. We just all assemble around us simply by being on the internet, this cloud of forgotten and unloved things, I suppose. And sifting through that can be weirdly associative, I suppose, not specifically associative. As I say, I don't remember writing this piece or any one of the 50 pieces that accompanied it in that little directory that I found on my, uh, on my external hard drive. But I do remember creating things. I do remember engaging with these physical systems and engaging with these creative systems and, and doing work over the course of the years, even if I don't remember the specifics. And that it's making me feel very reflective and very kind of thoughtful on this, this cold and blustery morning here in, in Oklahoma city. Um, Angela's saying, I've had that experience, including an early draft of a scene from my March nano novel, Briar, that I wrote two years ago. There you go. Isn't that wonderful when you find something that you had 
that you had forgotten about specifically, but which is still a major part of your creative process? I love that stuff. I've been going through old, uh, old nested directories, finding old versions of album art, like the first version I ever did of the There and Back Again album art, which was only, what, a year and a half ago, I suppose? And it's still, it's, it's not the finished album art. It's not anything like the finished album art. But I do remember spending an afternoon working on that and trying to come up with the, the visual representation of what our exploration of Tolkien's Middle Earth would be. And of course, I have four or five different versions of the Dear Mr. Potter logo because that evolved season by season back when I was doing that show in seasons. I should also say, just because I'm sure there's been a question about it in the Crowdcast chat that I have already missed, I did post on Instagram yesterday a glimpse of the album art for the forthcoming story in Star Wars Last Jedi series. I am all but complete with my script for the Last Jedi uh, story in Star Wars episode that is going to go up this week, along with the schedule for the next few weeks of story in Star Wars. I have, I think four show ideas for uh, for script outlines or half-completed scripts for story in Star Wars, and that's going to lead me into the fifth episode that I'm going to do on uh, on the solo, solo movie, the anthology movie that's coming up, about which, by the way, I am still very excited. I may be the last person on the internet that still believes that the solo movie can be good, but you know, it could be good. It could be great. We just don't know. And there are certainly a couple of interesting questions prompted by the trailer. There are a couple of interesting questions which we must address in terms of Solo's place in the new Star Wars expanded universe. I'm thinking most powerfully, of course, about the presence of the antagonist, presumable, uh, presumed antagonist there in the trailer for Solo, who is wearing a mask that looks a lot like Kylo Ren's mask is the thing. He's looking like a knight of Ren. We're going to be uh, paying close attention to that when we finally get to the release of Solo on Memorial Day. There's a ton, a ton. Oh, good. Sosa Sundar is saying that he has hopes for Solo too. That's excellent. And Art is also very excited for the Solo movie. And Lynette, you guys, I adore your positivity. Thank you for joining with me here on this Monday morning and sharing some positivity about things that the internet has already decided are not going to be good. I have a little patience for that. I have a little patience for, for the preemptive analysis and assessment of texts. It's, it's probably my least favorite thing about the internet. Like, I understand. I understand the urge to have the hot take. I understand the actual commercial necessity of hot takes, right? Whether you are writing for an outlet that must have content out on a particular day about a particular subject, be it a trailer, be it a new release, be it a bit of gossip that has been released from behind the scenes or a bit of speculation that has caught traction somewhere else on the internet, you're kind of obliged if you write for any of the major outlets to have your opinion. You've got to have your hot take. And the more hot your take is, the more likely it is in turn to gain popular traction and to, to go viral within the social media space. That's true for people who actually have you know full-time paid writing gigs. It's also true for people who are trying to make a name for themselves on Twitter or people who are trying to ride that wave of popularity through their, their podcast efforts or their YouTube video efforts or whatever. I completely understand where hot take culture comes from, but I don't necessarily believe that it is that it is a positive force in the forum of public discourse. I don't necessarily believe that being so immediately prompt and necessarily therefore reactive actually allows us to get to the deepest and most thoughtfully nuanced parts of, of that discourse. I, I want to try and preserve a space where we can take our time. That's a, a rare thing in the modern world, particularly in modern digital culture, and something that I absolutely support here at Point North Media. So we'll, we will take our time as we move through Star Wars. I'm very, very interested to talk about well, let me gloss some of these. What, what do we have coming up in Story in Star Wars? Well, I've got the Last Jedi lecture that is coming out first. We're going to look at the phenomena of Tonal variation and textual variation in modern Star Wars, basically looking at uh, The Force Awakens, Rogue One, and The Last Jedi, not as a trilogy, of course, because they don't meaningfully form a trilogy, but as three very different perspectives on what Star Wars means, both 
the history of Star Wars within the realm of the fiction and also what Star Wars is in the modern world as a pop cultural phenomenon, arguably, as I've argued before, in fact, the most important pop cultural phenomenon of the late 20th century. I think Star Wars is incredibly significant. It is easy to both overstate and understate the significance of Star Wars, but I don't think that there is a more influential, socially, culturally, artistically penetrative uh, artistic phenomenon act of creation in the late 20th century than the Star Wars series. And in its own way, I would include the prequels in that, right? The prequels are emblematic of of a resonant and propulsive creative trend in the late 1990s in particular, which is not without its own value, not without certainly the value of scrutiny attached to it. So we're gonna talk about the, the ways in which modern Star Wars has deviated from the template that we established in the original trilogy and then in the prequel trilogy and how that interacted with this halo of stories in the expanded universe. I'm going to do a deep, close read of all of the opening crawls and all of the opening shots of the Star Wars movies. I've talked about this a little bit before, but there is an interesting idea, an interesting kind of uh, assertion which can be made that the opening shots of each and every Star Wars film, up to and including The Last Jedi, by the way, which is a very interesting kind of variation on that idea, that the opening shot is representative thematically of what the story purports to impart. So I'm going to be looking very closely at the opening crawls, which have swung wildly from the kind of, of pseudo-Republic serial referentialism, the, the kind of the, the sense of the expanded world that we got back in the very beginning of the original trilogy into outright art and poetry and into a kind of self-aware didacticism in particularly with regard to uh, to The Phantom Menace and, and to a lesser extent Attack of the Clones, I think. But we're going to be talking about all of that. And of course, uh, The Force Awakens, which is probably my favorite opening crawl, actually. Now that I think about it, uh, we're also going to be talking about the intersection of fear and power in the Star Wars universe and the missing part of that, I suppose, right? We talk a lot about power. We talk a lot about fear. We don't talk a lot about courage in the Star Wars universe. In the Star Wars universe, we generally outsource courage to faith. And that's a really interesting and complex point of intersection. So we're going to be talking about that. I may suspend that one until after we can also talk about Solo because I have a feeling that Solo is going to talk about uh, talk about faith, particularly faith in the force, but also faith in your cause, faith in your identity, faith in your name in a really interesting and crunchy way. So we'll see exactly how the scheduling lines up there. But uh, lots of story in Star Wars coming very soon. I'm having lots of big, big ideas about Star Wars, and I can't wait to talk about them. Let's give a quick uh, a quick gloss then of what we're doing this week. Um, oh, interesting. So, so Sundar is saying, I think Star Wars is the Iliad of the homogenized Western pop culture that we are in the early stages of forming. In the early stages of forming is really interesting, Aaron. Your idea there would suggest that this is going to become even more culturally dominant? Hmm, I can't reject that notion. I certainly can't. Um, my read of it would be that one of the things that makes Star Wars so important is that Star the, the original trilogy emerged at a time when we had for the first time kind of unified global culture to the extent that we have unified global culture, right? It broke forth when... Hollywood movies were kind of ubiquitous all across the face of the earth. So it managed to leverage that that market penetration in a really interesting way. And then the prequel trilogy came along at the point at which that had le had reached its zenith and was actually starting to collapse into more fragmented markets, which I think might lead us into The Force Awakens and the kind of self-conscious desire to restore a, a dominance, to restore a 
a ubiquity, a shared ubiquity, right, in, in the pop cultural sphere. I need to think more about that. Aaron, you may have just given me another idea for a show. Like, it would be really interesting to, to delve deep into that. But yes, yes, good. Um, let me see. Oh, um, are we talking about one shots? I'm trying to scroll back and see where everything is. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Yes, uh, there will be there will be more one shots coming up. In fact, in fact, stay tuned because it's now very likely that on Wednesday evening I'm going to do the uh, live stream live commentary for the Princess Bride. I haven't put that on the schedule yet. I need to double check my schedule and make sure that I can make that work. But it is now very likely that Wednesday evening, probably 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Central, we'll do the uh, Princess Bride commentary track over on YouTube. So stay tuned for more information. I should have that fixed by the end of the day. It, it won't go up any later than that if we're going to do it. Oh, you're talking about Pinky and the Brain. I adore Pinky and the Brain. We're going to get this new reboot of, uh, of the Animaniacs and... I really don't know how I feel about it. Two new seasons of Animaniacs, I believe. Um, I was perhaps a little too old for Animaniacs when it broke forth, particularly watching it in Britain, where, of course, it aired even later than it did here in the U.S. But the relentless, the relentless anarchic creativity that went into Animaniacs in general and Pinky and the Brain in particular was utterly refreshing. It was a show that felt as though it had never been compromised once. It was this this pure and joyous exploration of a very niche ideal and a very niche kind of comedy. And I'm always at home for that. I'm, I'm always here for that in, in comedy. Yeah, good, good. All right, you guys, let's... Um... Oh, I've got a question here in the box. Oh, oh, okay. Angela's asking, Princess Bride live commentary event? Yes, probably Wednesday. There is, as of right now... Um let's say an 80% chance that that's going to happen on Wednesday, maybe an 85% chance that that's going to happen on Wednesday, unless I have some prior engagement that I have as of this moment forgotten on Wednesday evening, then we'll, we'll do that. Yeah, probably 9 p.m. Central, uh, sorry, probably 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Central, so an hour earlier than our usual evening live sessions because, well, it's a commentary track and I don't want to be up all night with this thing, but uh, that should be an absolute blast that will be taking place over on YouTube, but I will cross-post the link everywhere. We'll put up a uh, put up an announcement post over on Point North Media so that will come out in your, in your feeds. It'll go up on the forum. It'll go out on Twitter and on Facebook. Facebook and in all the usual places. So stay tuned for that. I might even try simultaneously cross-posting that to Crowdcast. Hmm. I need to give that some thought. I need to give that some thought. Crowdcast has just added some new functionality to the uh, to their their broadcast connectivity infrastructure, so that I can actually. This is nerdy. Prepare yourselves so that instead of using their inbuilt uh, studio software, I can actually run the live broadcast out of OBS, which is that's the open broadcast uh, software. Which means that I can have a little more fluidity and a little more flexibility with uh, with the way that the slides interact with you know, my face on the screen and all of that kind of stuff. So I'm going to play about with that this week and we'll see where we are too. I should say also that last week I lamented the fact that I had not caught up with email and, and patron messages and all kinds of stuff. I am still behind, but I have caught up a long, long way. If you haven't yet heard back from me about a patron matter, then stay tuned because it is going to happen. I apologize wholeheartedly and sincerely for taking so long to catch up. It's just been a lot of work. And then I was, uh, I was out of town. I was traveling for a couple of days last week. So that is what, uh, that is what has screwed the pooch still further when it comes to the, uh, the Point North Media schedule. With all of that said, let's get into uh, a quick overview, a quick repeat overview, just to kind of cap our, uh, our discussion here today. So tomorrow, that is Tuesday, April the 3rd, 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central, Dear Mr. Porter 48, Truth and Lies, in which Harry takes a bath. 
some other things happen too, but mostly it's Harry taking a bath and us getting the opportunity to visit once more with Moaning Myrtle. Then on Thursday, April the 5th, 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central, there and back again, 57, where will wants not. One of my favorite phrases, in fact, in all of the Return of the King. We're going to talk a lot about Eowyn. We're going to talk about the mustering of the Rohirrim. We're going to talk about the eve of war. And we're going to finish up our discussion, of course, of Aragorn and Legolas and, and, and Gimli and the great company of the Dúnedain taking the paths of the dead to the stone of Erech and summoning forth ancient oath-breaking allies. It's a pretty great sequence, as it turns out. Then on Friday, 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central, the fourth uh, discussion of Good Omens over there in the patron-exclusive book club. I just realized that in the uh, newsletter that I sent out today, it says Good Omens 3. It's not. I just posted Good Omens 3 this morning. The audio went up just uh, a half hour ago, in fact, to the Patreon page. So Good Omens 4 coming this week. We're probably going to do another... I said last night another two sessions. Uh, we're probably going to do another three sessions, in fact, on Good Omens, just to wrap it up properly. That is that is a deep and rich and slow-going kind of book. Let me tell you, also, if you are a patron supporter of Point North Media, then I have opened the call for the long list for the next two book club books. Head on over to patreon.com slash pointnorthmedia. Pledge your support there, and you get to raise your voice uh, with regard to the next two books that we study for the book club. That, I think, is going to do it. I managed to do this all without a helicopter. I'm amazed. It hasn't been a 20-minute slot this morning when a, hel a helicopter hasn't passed overhead. So I'm glad that hopefully this audio experience has been about as good as it can possibly be for you. That's going to do it. You guys, I will talk to you all again very soon. I hope you can join me for Dear Mr. Potter. I hope you can join me for There and Back Again. I hope you can join me for the theoretical Princess Bride live commentary on Wednesday evening. Don't worry, though. The story in Star Wars episode is coming very soon, too. I will talk to you all again later. Have a fabulous Monday, and take care.